Good afternoon, dear Sangha. Today is the 21st of December, right? In the year 2008, right? And we are in the Dharma Nectar Temple, Lower Hamlet, during our winter retreat. You think that's correct? <clears throat> 31st of uh, December, it means the last day of the year. The last day of the year. Can you believe it? I don't. And uh, the year and the year 2008. In a few hours, it will be gone the year 2008. Can you believe it? I don't. Very difficult to believe. The year 2008 is running away from us. And even if we try to run after and pull it back, it seems very difficult. And I would like to ask you this question. After having left us, the year 2008 will, will be where? The year is still with us here. And the year is going to leave us very soon, in eight hours also. Everyone thinks like that. And my question is, uh, after having left us, where will it go? We can find it somewhere. And in what direction is go, it's going away? These are questions that I used to ask. And the new year, 2000. And nine is coming. And from what direction is it coming? I think these are very interesting questions. We practitioners of meditation, we like questions because we want to ponder, reflect on questions because uh, if we have the right question, well, we can find very interesting answer, answers. I think these questions are interesting enough. In what direction 2008 is going? And from, direction, from what direction the year 2009 is coming? There's some reason to believe that uh, the year 2009 will come from the East. Because in Japan, Vietnam, it will come very soon, in just two, two hours. And here we have to wait eight hours. So there is some reason to believe that uh, the new year will come in from the east. But you cannot be sure. Suppose uh, this is our planet. 
planet Earth. And I here in France, in Europe. And here is the direction of the east. And Japan, Vietnam is about in that direction. So they say, and here you have to believe them, that the new year will come from this direction because it will come to Japan, to Vietnam first. And then it travel. And in five, four hours, it will come here in Europe. So there is some reason why we can believe that uh, the new year is coming from the east. But if we look deeply, we cannot believe it anymore. Because uh, if, you, if you move to this place, you, you stay here and you look, the east is in this direction. I see. From those who stay on the other side a little bit and look, this is the east. And here we believe that spring, uh, New Year is coming from here. And they say that it's from here. So we cannot be sure. We cannot be sure. So I am confused. Do you have any idea? <clears throat> and uh, in the teaching of the Buddha, they say that there is no coming, no going. And this is also difficult to understand. I shall try to talk about other things, hoping that uh, if a dozen minutes later we will understand, uh, we will be able to solve the problem where the year 2009 is coming. And uh, the questions are very important because we, we, we still want to know what will become of 2008 after it, it, it leaves us. When we look around us, we see life. Life everywhere. And life is a wonder. This morning I walked, I, I did walking meditation in the upper hamlet. I went down to the temple, down of the hill, at the foot of the hill. And every step helped me to touch life, life within, life outside. And where I, I stay, in the still sitting hut in the upper Mahamlet, you might have uh, had an occasion to visit my hut in the upper Mahamlet. It's called uh, Thak Ngo Yeng, still sitting hut. I went to the Sheng Ha Temple, where Thay uh, Pháp Sheng, Brother Pháp Sheng, 
Mundama Mountain uh, is an abbot, is the abbot. And I follow a small path covered with uh, oak leaves. There's so many oak leaves that have felt uh, this, uh, this uh, autumn. It's thick like this. And the snow that uh, felt uh, last week have, has helped the oak leaves to, 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 to rot, to um, disintegrate a little bit quicker so that the, the oak leaves can become the soil, the top soil, and nourish the trees. Because I was walking mindfully I recognize that the, the oak leaves are becoming the, the soil, the top soil. And, uh, and I could see very well. And I think if you pay a little bit of your attention, you will see exactly like I, I have, that the top soil was made of uh, leaves, because the, the oak leaves are rotting. Uh, disintegrating in order to become the soil, to become the soil. And the tree and the plants need the soil in order to grow. And I can see very well the leaf, the leaf in the soil. Because you see that, you see in front of you the oak leaves are disintegrating in, become, in order to become the soil. And in a few months, you don't see the leaves anymore. You just see the soil. But we know that the soil, in the soil, there is the leaves. It's easier now because some, some, some leaves have become soil, and some are on the way of becoming soil. So you have to take the opportunity to look. And it's very easy to see that uh, the leaves are becoming the soil. And later on, when you look at the soil, you can smile, you say that, my dear little leaf, I know you are inside of the soil. The soil, if you look deeply, you see a lot of leaves in, because they are made of nothing except leaves. The top soil is very nourishing for the plants and for the trees. And every, uh, every year, uh, the trees shed the leaves in order to enrich the soil. And if the soil is good, the trees will grow, grow well. So you can see that um, you can see that uh, the leaves that fall from the oak tree become the soil and the soil nourish the tree. So next spring, the tree will produce fresh leaves. And the leaves will stay there for many months. And when winter comes, they will fall down, and they go around like this. Sometimes it is green. Sometimes it is brown. Sometimes you don't see it, but it's still there in the soil. And then it 
has its way to go back here in order to be a green leaf. It's very interesting. And when I do walking meditation, I see things like that. Uh, I feel very happy that I I could see things like that. Because when I see things like that, I'm not afraid of dying. Dying is not uh, becoming nothing. Because uh, when, when the leaf is about to fall down, it's not set. It's not, now I have an opportunity to join, to join the soil. The soil is my home. And I'm going to join my home. And then staying a few months here, the brown leaf uh, become the soil, integrated fully in the soil. And by that time, you don't see the leaf, but you know, because you are an intelligent person, you know that the leaf is still there in the soil. So although you don't see the form of the leaf, you look at the soil and you smile, you say, my dear little leaf, I know that you are still there somewhere. And someday you will manifest yourself into a leaf again, in a green form, a young form. So it seems that the leaf does have that kind of wisdom in herself. That is why while falling down, she's not afraid. She's thinking that she's joining uh, the Mother Earth in order to, to manifest again in other forms. And if uh, you are mindful, next week when you do walking meditation, you see your beloved little leaf again in this very young, new form. And I said that uh, when you are really there, mindful, you can see that life is everywhere, in yourself and around you. And life is such a gift. And you, all of us, and me, we are very lucky because we are given life every moment, every minute, every second. And someone is giving us life. The giver of life. In Christianity, Judaism, uh, uh, our friends say that it's God who gives us life. In Buddhism, uh, we say almost the same thing, but in a different way. When you speak about giving, there must be someone who gives, and someone who receives, and something that is given. We distinguish three things. The giver, the gift, and the receiver. It's like uh, when you take a shower. Every time you take a shower, 
you have an opportunity to see yourself as a, as a person. And uh, this is uh, my body, you see, as a boy or as a girl. And who has given me this body? This body is a gift. And there must be someone who, who make, the, make the gift. So looking deeply into the gift, that means the body, you can find out. Looking into the gift, which is life, you can find out who is the giver. Right in the gift, If you are a scientist, if you know something about, or if you know something about uh, genetics, you see that uh, it is our father, our mother, that have given us this body. And our father and our mother, they are also in us. They are also in us. In every cell of our body, we can detect the presence of our father and mother in the form of genes. The giver is in the gift. So if you say that God is the giver of life, God is in you. You don't have to look for him outside. This is what uh, meditation practitioners can find out. Because they have the time to sit down and to look deeply. They are not too busy. They still have time to sit down and to look deeply. And when they walk, they also walk in such a way that can see things deeply. So when you look deeply into the nature of the gift, you see the giver. In it, you see your father and your mother in you. So you cannot take the giver out of the gift. Can you? No, we cannot take our father and our mother out of us. There's no way. There are young men, young women who get angry at their father so angry that they say something like this. That person, I don't want anything to do with him anymore. They talk about their father. I don't want to have anything to do with him anymore. Or if they get angry at their mother, they say, that person, that woman, that lady, I don't want to have anything to do with her. I'm so angry at her. They talk of the mother like that. Nonsense. Because you cannot take your mother out of you. You are your mother. You are the continuation of your mother. Like it or not. Early this year, I went to Italy 
with forty, fifty members of the sangha, offer a retreat. And during the retreat, I offer every every retreatant. I think there are more than eight hundred people. A lot of children. I think seventy or eighty children. And I went to the grocery store, not very far from the retreat, with my attendant, and we bought two two packages of corn seed, corn seed. And in the retreat, I offer every boy, every girl, every gentleman, every lady one seed of corn. I invite them to to keep the seed of corn, and I ask them to, when they go home, they should plant the seed of corn in a small pot, and they should care to water uh, the seed of corn every day. Keep it in a warm. And when and when the seed sprouts into a young plant of corn, beginning to have two leaves coming up, and they have to come and to talk to the young plant of corn. Hello, dear young plant of corn. I know you are there. I want to ask you a question. Do you believe, do you remember there was a time when you were a seed of corn? Ask him, ask her, ask the young plant, and he will be embarrassed. <laughs> he may forget. But some time ago, two weeks ago, he was a seed of corn. Talk to the little plant. Ask the little plant whether it still remember the time. Not very long, far away, not, not very long away. Just two weeks before, or three weeks. Dear little plant, dear little corn plant, do you remember the time you were a tiny seed of corn? Ask the plant. And if, if you are patient, you may hear an answer. And if it happens that the plant of corn forget it, you can help that help it. I know, you say, I know. It's me who planted the seed of corn. And I water the seed of corn every day. And I saw you when you first sprout. And I saw you growing up. So I can certify that you have come from a seed of corn. Believe me, this is the truth. And the plan of God will be thankful to you. Because many of us don't remember that we come from our father, our mother. And then we don't know either that our father and mother, they are in us. You can say that uh, the seed of God is the father or the mother of the plan of God. But you can also say that the plant of corn is the continuation of the seed of corn. 
the same thing is true with you. You are the son, the daughter of your father and your mother. You come from your father and your mother. And you are your father and your mother. Because your father and your mother are always in you. And the truth we find is that the giver and the gift, they are one. You cannot take the gift out of the giver and you cannot take the giver out of the gift. That's what I found, Thay found, in his meditation. And now the receiver. Who is the receiver? My father and my mother has given me this body. And who am I who have received this body? Because if there is a giver, there must be a receiver. They cannot be otherwise. And then who is the receiver? Is there any way in order for us to identify the receiver? Because we have been successful in identifying the giver. And we know that the giver is in the gift. Now, we continue to look into the gift. And if we have enough concentration, mindfulness, and we get the insight, we see that the, the the receiver is also in the gift. And <clears throat> this, is my <clears throat> this is my body. This is the gift made by my parents to me. I know who are the givers. I know where are the givers. But I don't know who is the receiver. Who am I? Who am I is a very interesting question. And that has been a question for the humankind for a long time. And in order to answer that question, we can just look at our body, look at the gift, and we see that the receiver can be found in the gift. There's no distinction between the receiver of the gift and the gift itself. When I was a young monk, I had received, I already received this teaching, but I did not understand. That is, uh, that teaching is called the emptiness of giving. The emptiness of giving. Because in giving, you have to distinguish three things. The one who gives, the gift that is giving, and the one who receives. And when you look deeply, you see that the trees are you cannot take one out of the two others. There is no separate self. There is no separate giver. The giver cannot exist separately from the gift and from the receiver. Now I would like to go closer. Life is everywhere. Life is in me. Life is around me. And I am receiver of life. But I know that I am the gift. I am life itself. And I am the giver of life myself. Believe it or not, each of us is a giver of life. 
because we are alive and we give uh, life. We will get the enlightenment concerning this problem that we all are the giver of life. And there is a way that we can give life beautifully. Not, not only a father, a mother can give life, but every one of us can give life. And we can give life in every moment of our, our daily life. The teaching about the emptiness of giving is so deep that uh, although we speak of three elements, giver, gift, and receiver, but we cannot find the giver outside of the gift and and outside of the receiver. Now I would like to give you another example. Look at this marker. And if we use our mind of discrimination, we will say that this is my left, this is the left side, and this is the right side. Left and right. And left and right, they sound like enemies, opposites. Right? Outside of each other. How could it how could it be otherwise? The left must be only the left. The left cannot be the right. That is our way of thinking. But if you look deeply, you see it's not easy. Left and right always to go together. Where is, where the left is, the right is also. It is the left that gives birth to the right, and it is the right that gives birth to the left. And they give birth to each other. They need each other. They are not enemies. If politically you are on the left, don't wish for the death of the right. If the right is dead, you are dead also. And you know that. So there is a deep connection between left and right. And the right needs the left in order to be, and the left needs the right to be. And you can imagine the left embracing the right tenderly, and the right embracing the left tenderly, like the soil, the topsoil embraces, embracing the oak leaf tenderly, and the oak leaf, although it is up on the tree in summer, it is embracing the earth also. It's wonderful. That is the kind of wisdom that you can get when you practice uh, meditation. Everything is inside of everything else. And if you can see that there is no more separation, there will be no more war and anger. And when we meditate about life and death, we see the same, the same, the same kind of truth. First of all, we think uh, in the beginning we think that death is the enemy of life. 
and we try to avoid, run away from death. We try to run after life. But because you have not got the insight, the wisdom, that is why you are doing like that. But birth, uh, birth uh, life and death, they are like left and right. Where, uh, where life is, that is also. Death is also. And when, where death is, life is also. And in fact, they are embracing each other very tenderly. And there is no reason why we have to be afraid of life or to be afraid of death. We used to think of death as something negative, dark, fearful, frightening. But death happens every happens to be with life every moment. Look at our body. Our body is made of many cells. And at any moment of our daily life, there is a death. Cells in our body die every moment. When you, when you scratch like this, you know that there are many cells in your body are falling down. Dry cells, cells are dying. In order to make room and to create favorable conditions for new cells to be born. So life and death, they are supporting each other. They are not real enemies. And that is why every time a cell in us dies, we don't organize funerals. Because if we organize funerals for every cell, we don't have time enough to live. Because at the same time, we have to organize a celebration for the new cells that are just born in us. The new cells are born at every moment, and we are busy organizing birthday and funerals all day long. How could they be alive? Love is to give, and life is the most precious thing that you can give to yourself, to your beloved one, to the world. And we should live in such a way that every moment we become a life giver. And as we give life, we are life. And uh, in the teaching of the Buddha, we find very specific ways to love, so that every minute of our daily life becomes a minute of love. Beautiful. When you produce a thought, a loving thought, a thought of uh, understanding, Compassion, forgiveness, joy. When we are able to, to produce such a thought, you give life. Because it's wonderful for someone to produce such a thought. Her, 
her body profit right away of that thought. And her mind profit right away from that thought because that is uh, a beautiful thought, a thought of compassion, a thought of understanding, a thought of forgiveness. forgiveness. It brings lightness, it brings liberation, it brings joy, it brings love. And your thought produced like that will have a, a healing effect on your body right away. You are giving you life. It's wonderful to produce a thought of compassion, of forgiveness, of understanding. A thought produced in the direction of right thinking. Right thinking is the word Buddha used. Right thinking is thinking in such a way that your thinking can carry with it love, compassion, acceptance, forgiveness. And if uh, during the last hours of the day you can produce the thought of forgiveness, of reconciliation, that will be very healing to you and very healing to the world, to the other person. We have the time to make a phone call. We have the time to send an email. We have the time to think of him, to think of her in loving kindness, in compassion, in forgiveness. And that will heal us and help heal the world. And you become the giver of life. You are participating in the work of God, giving life. And you know, everyone of us know that we are capable of producing such a thought. Today, right today, at this moment. Think of him, think of her. And allow compassion to arise. Allow forgiveness to arise. And you feel much better in your heart, in your body. And that thought is going to heal the world. And that thought is you. And you can make you, yourself, beautiful. It is possible to make ourselves more and more beautiful. In the teaching of the Buddha, every thought can be considered already as action. Thinking is already acting. You can heal the world by right thinking. You can heal yourself by right thinking. If your thought contains a lot of hate, of anger, of fear, and then that will be destructive to you and to the world. But if your thought carries the element of forgiveness, of love, of compassion, then your right thinking is already the giver of life, the gift of life. And you are healing yourself, you are healing the world. And that is why thinking is already acting. And there was Nghiệp Karma, which means action. Thinking is already action. And you can change the world just by thinking. Because right thinking can heal 
can heal yourself and the world. And right thinking is recommended by the Buddha. And right thinking is possible when you can see you are in the other person and the other person is in you. There is no more separation. You are him, he is you. You are her, she is you. And your happiness, your suffering, has to do with his happiness, his suffering. And when you have that right view, naturally you, you will produce a lot of uh, right thinking. Right thinking is very healing. And the Buddha recommends on, also right, uh, right speech. Right speech. Speaking in the direction of love, of compassion. <coughs> if you are able to say something compassionate, forgiving, you feel wonderful right away. And what you say, whether in a spoken form or a written form, will have an effect of healing right away on your body and on the other. And you know that deeply you have that capacity of practicing right speech. You can say something in the hours that are left of 2008. You can say it right away. And you can send it you use your portable or you use uh, your computer and you send the message. And that helps heal yourself and help heal him, her, and the world. And you have done that before. And now you can do it again with uh, more strength. Because now you believe in its effect. And you, the giver of life, the one who produces uh, rice fish, you are the first who profit from the practice of rice fish. The other person might wait a few minutes before he or she opens the mailbox. But you, you profit first. Right thinking, rice fish, and right action. Right action physical action, bodily action. The kind of action that aims to protect, to save, to help. That is called right action. Right action is also very healing for you and for the world. And karma, karma, action, can be seen in a triple aspect. Thinking, speaking, and acting.
and uh, your thinking, your speaking, your acting are your product, the product of your life. And that is your continuation. It's like the young plant of corn. It's the product of the seed of corn. The young plant of corn come from the seed of corn. And uh, your right thinking, your right speech, your action, your right action come from you, a good practitioner. And that is your continuation. And when this body disintegrate, disintegrate, you be continued by your calm, karma, because nothing is lost. They are real energies. They go into the environment. They stay there. They are your bank account. And that is why in Buddhism, we speak of, about uh, retribution. Retribution is what we get from our thinking our speech and our action, retribution. Bow, retribution. Those who believe uh, that after the disintegration of this body, you will no longer be there, are caught in a kind of wrong view, called the view of annihilation. It's like you believe that when the leaf uh, falls down from, from the branch, there's no, no longer any anything left. You are wrong. The leaf continue. The leaf will continue and the leaf will be reborn in one form or another. Nothing is lost. Lavoisier, that French uh, scientist, he said that nothing is born, is, uh, born nothing dies. It manifests in this form, and then it stops and manifests itself in other forms. It continues always. So why this body is still visible? We produce uh, thought, speech, and action. And that thought, speech, and action are strong energies that continue us. Sometimes we don't see, but they are always there. It's like the water vapor in this meditation hall. You don't see, but it is there. You are breathing in and out. So, so your thinking, your speak, your, your words and your act will be there, ripening, and you will manifest again on the ground of your karma on the ground of your thinking, speaking, and acting. It's like uh, the cloud in the sky. If you don't see your cloud in the sky, don't think that it's already dead. It's, it's no longer there. No, it has become rain. 
and maybe it's in you because you have you have uh, drunk your tea this morning, and the cloud may have entered you. By the way, of a teapot, but uh, it is impossible for a cloud to die. It is possible for a cloud to become the rain, the tea, but it's not possible for the cloud to become nothing. So the same thing is true with you. You cannot die. You can never die, like the Lavoisier said. Rien ne se crée, rien ne se perd. And therefore, you continue. Whether you like it or not, you continue. <laughs> but you can continue more beautifully if you listen to the Buddha, if you know how to produce beautiful thought, beautiful speech, beautiful action. You continue beautifully. You give life to you and to the world. And retribution are of two kinds. This is I learned. This is what I learned from the Buddha. Uh, in the beginning, it's not so clear to me. But the more I meditate, the clearer I become. Your thinking, your speaking, your acting will result in your retribution. And retribution is uh, in is a double. The first is you manifest as the main retribution, the center retribution. Like the new lift, new leaf you see born in in the month of April, a new apparition, a new manifestation. But the leaf is not everything. There is an environment, a tree that nourishes and a soil that nourishes. So the energies you produce in form of thought, speech, and act Will, manif- will help you manifest again as a body, as a mind, and also as an environment. environment. The ground, the environment. So it is very clear that in Buddhism, you are not only this, you are also your environment. Because the retribution is always double. You are your environment. You come from the environment. You are going back to your environment. You are your environment, exactly like the oak leaf. You can begin by looking at the oak leaf disintegrating, becoming the soil, and nourish the tree, and manifest again as a young oak leaf. 
And the oak leaf is not only the oak leaf, it is the soil, it is the tree. You are your environment. That is the truth spoken by the Buddha, and you can verify it by yourself. You are in your environment. Uh, Parallax Press uh, produced uh, a few months ago this book of mine about uh, ecology. It's called The World We Have. The only world we have. And the title was selected by, by the publisher. And my disciples, they think that uh, another title is better. The world we are. The world we are. It goes better with the teaching. Because we are the world. And that is why if you want to take care of yourself, you have to take care of the world. The world is you. And that is why I want my friends at this time of the year to have some, some minutes of uh, deep reflection. Not only you, uh, you send your love to the other person, you produce a beautiful thought of compassion, forgiveness. You write him, you call him, call her. But you also talk to yourself your environment, talk to the world. <coughs> and in a few hours, we have to make a commitment to our environment because only us can save ourselves. You have to make a commitment. You have to make a resolutions in order to save our planet, to, to save ourselves because we are the planet. From now on, when you move around, look at everything as yourself. The bamboo trees are yourself. The air you breathe is you. The cloud floating in the sky is you. You have to protect them, because protecting them means you protect yourself. And that is why I have asked a brother to photocopy this sheet for you. Unfortunately, we don't have uh, it in uh, other languages, but uh, you can use this sheet to make uh, a few specific uh, commitments before the end of the year. You know that uh, our brothers in uh, the Deer Park Monastery, they have been able to, uh, to go solar. They, they produce their own uh, electricity. Many hundred uh, people come and practice with them. They, they don't need electricity from the city. They produce their own electricity. They, they have solar panels. And our brothers and sisters also uh, observe uh, uh, weekly no-car days. 
and thousands of their friends who come and practice with them also commit, commit themselves to observe one Nokha day a week. And many of them have uh, changed um, into uh, uh, cars that use a vegetable, vegetable oil to run. And in Plum Village, we also observe uh, uh, one Nokha day a week. And many, many friends of ours have committed to stop eating meat and eggs and dairy products or reduce the eating of meat at least by 50% because that will help with the environment. That is to save our planet, to save ourselves. And it's very absolutely necessary that we have to commit ourselves to some kind of actions in order to, to save ourselves, to save our planet. Like why you are brushing your teeth. Don't, don't let the, the water flow, uh, run. Turn off the faucet and brush your teeth peacefully and happily. Small things like that, everyone can do. And when you look at your car, this is my car. I want to commit uh, a, make a commitment to your car. My dear little car, I promise you that I will use you only when it is really necessary. When it's not absolutely necessary, I, I don't use my car. And that is an act of love. <coughs> right action, right speech, right thinking. And all of us have the capacity to do that because there is a Buddha in every one of us. Allow the Buddha to act. Don't look for the Buddha outside. The Buddha is inside you. Know that every summer opening in Plum Ridge, four or five thousand people come. And during one one month, we don't we don't eat meat, we don't drink alcohol, we don't eat uh, dairy products, we don't uh, eat eggs. We save a lot of uh, we contribute a lot to the environment. It does not mean that outside of the summer opening, we don't do it. We do it also the year, all year round. And we feel very good because we are able to do something for our environment, for, namely for ourselves. So please look at this. If you can walk to the place where you work, or you can bike, and you can leave your car home. That is wonderful. That is an act of enlightenment. That is an act of love, of compassion. Good karma, what you do. Carpool to work or use mass transit. Take a bus, take the train. When you are about, before you leave your room, turn off the light. There are so many things like that. And I think uh, um, what I would suggest that uh, that we go over this and try to make the kind of commitment we can do for, for the year 2009. Love is right there.
we allow love to to be born, to guide us. And with love, we feel much better. So think of the other person, think of your family, think of your beloved one, but also think of environment. Because you come from the environment, you are going back home to your environment in order to come out again. The, the world, we are our environment. The teaching of Buddha is so clear. We are not only this, we are this. And uh, we shall do walk in meditation when we hear the bell. And by that time, we already have uh, a sheet of paper in us with the commitment we make to the person we love, also to our environment. And when we come back, there will be a bonfire. We will sing a song, make a circle and sing a song around the bonfire. And we will solemnly offer our commitment to the fire. And we know that we are going to express our love uh, in the whole year of nine, 2009. And our children will see us doing that. Our friends will see us doing that, caring, loving, and they will, they will follow us. And this is a very meaningful way of uh, celebrating uh, the new year 2009.